Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the 2020 NFL season. This is the Football Absurdity Podcast. My name is Jeff Crisco. I'm here, as always, with my co-hosts, Evan Hoovler and Mike Valverde. Evan, how are you doing today? You know, it's funny. Yesterday, we were all getting ready for football, and everybody was so excited, and it was wonderful, and what a, a ray of sunshine, the bleakness in his life. And then today, Kenny Colliday shows up in the injury report, and I'm like, screw it, shut it all down. I'm over yeah. it. You know 100%. what this is? You know what the secret secret to not getting mad about that is? Don't Kenny Galladay anywhere like me. Mike, how are you doing today? Yeah, wasn't Kenny Galladay a top five pick for Evan already? He was. Coming coming in hot right off the top, Mike is on on Kenny Galladay. Kicking kicking the man while he's down. Kicking it, kicking him. Um, You know, I, I, I also feel for Evan on this too because I have Matthew Stafford. In my home league, and without a Kenny Galladay, it's it's I, I feel the pain. Yeah, so let's let's start there. So um, if you guys don't know what we're talking about, um, we're gonna jump right into the news. It is Friday at 1:30 Pacific, and uh, over the last half hour, both Mike Evans and Kenny Galladay have been downgraded to doubtful for this weekend with injuries, and uh, obviously this destroys Evans. Evans rosters everywhere, so he's he's rage quit on fantasy football one game into the season. And uh, Mike, you have a question because you said you have Matthew Stafford everywhere or in a league, and you have I believe it was Derek Carr and Joe Burrow. Yeah, so in my home league, which you know, as we've discussed many times over the years, the home league is what matters. I mean, I, I'm in, <laughs> as you guys know, I'm in 30, 40 plus leagues. None of those really matter. What matter is the home league. And mm-hmm. in my home league, I have Matthew Stafford, Joe Burrow, and Derek Carr. All right. I would, without Kenny Galladay, I'm not going Matthew Stafford. And going, so uh, Derek Carr is going up against Carolina, who pretty much remade their entire, or at least half their defense. And Joe Burrow is going up against the Chargers, who lost Derwin James, but who I still think are a better defensive matchup than the Panthers. So um, with that in mind, I think I'm going to go with the safe play in Derek Carr, though they're, though if you're a huge underdog, you could swing for the fences with Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow. Evan, what do you think? Yeah, give me the veteran who knows his offense against Carolina's might not be a defense there over the rookie who has zero game time that's going against those two San Diego uh, Chargers rushers. <laughs> San Diego. Um, uh, Evan's going to be talking all about the San Diego uh, Redskins, I think. <laughs> just just get all the names mixed up. The Las, Vegas, the Las Vegas Rams. Um, so, yeah. So, um, so Mike, what do you think you'll be doing this weekend then with, uh, with Matthew Stafford? Well... I, I agree with both of you. In fact, um, before we even started the show, I, I mean, there's no way I can start Matthew Stafford without a Kenny Galladay. It's no. Just, it's just not not cohesive. So, uh, before we started the show, I'm like, okay, I'll put in Derek Carr, and then if you guys make an overwhelming case on Joe Burrow, then I'll, I'll definitely try to make those changes. But since you guys both agreed with my agreement prior to the show, then it's going to be Derek Carr. Yeah, I think Burrow's going to be running for his life a lot with the uh, Bengals O-line situation and the Chargers defensive line and uh, and edge rusher. So I think that it's going to be a hard uh, – it's going to be a welcome to the league sort of game for Joe Burrow. 
Totally. And yeah, and just the fact that, as you mentioned, those pass rushers and overall, I mean, even without Derwin, Derwin James, that defense is pretty strong. So, yeah, I could just see a very confused Joe Burrow out there and Derek Carr. I mean, everything's pointing north for him anyway. So with all these new receivers and, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's something that you don't really plan for. You don't really plan to go into the season week one and say, you know what, I'm going to make Derek Carr my starter. But here we are. Here we are. Yeah. So, um, all right. So we will take a quick break from the news real quick. Uh, Mike just wanted to get that convo in up off the top. Let's talk. Uh, let's get the housekeeping out of the way. Uh, the Football Absurdity Podcast is brought to, brought to you by FanDuel. The offer has changed. So what it is now is if you go to FanDuel.com slash Football Absurdity, you do get a 20% uh, bonus sort of price match um, up to $500. So if you deposit 10 bucks, they give you two bucks. If it's 20, it's four. You do have to play to unlock it, but it's a nice bonus to get. Um, we are also sponsored by 444 and it's 444 promo code beer sheets. That gets you 25% off the season. A lot of people have been taking advantage of that, which is awesome. Um, you can also support us on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash football absurdity. It's three bucks a month. And what you will get is what I like to call the part two to this podcast. So every Tuesday we reconvene and we answer the questions that we asked in today's episode. Cause what we do to preview, if this is your first, uh, episode of the podcast is we ask questions for what we're looking for. It's sort of a teach a teach a man to fish and see what we're seeing, see what we're looking for. Uh, we do have two new patrons since our last um, regular episode. So Frankie C, thank you very much. And uh, Nahum Rodriguez, I hope that I'm saying that right. Thank you very much. Welcome aboard. Uh, go ahead and uh, get the uh, Tuesday episodes into your feed uh, because that's the main benefit of being a an absurdist during the season. You also have uh, uh, backlog of articles that I wrote in the off season, uh, sort of uh, to fill in the gaps there. Um, so boys, let's get before we get back to the news. Let's talk Thursday night football. Let's talk some some good. So last night it was Chiefs Texans, um, Chiefs thirty four, Texans twenty. Um, standout from this game there was two. One, Mike, I'm conceding. You're conceding. What are you conceding? The David Johnson thing. Ah, he looks good. He looks like he looks like David Johnson again. David Johnson looked like warmed over trash last year, and he looked good. He had a lot of runs. He had a lot of uh, nifty feet moves, I like to call them, um, where he kind of uh, goes into um, maybe not the cleanest blocking situation in front of him, but kind of dances around in in to get around him and goes for eight nine yards with some other backs would be three four yards. So David Johnson's back. My buddy is over the moon to have gotten uh, Buda Baker and David Johnson for Tyler Lockett last week, which we talked about on the bonus podcast. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm conceding that. So um, unless now you're off of David Johnson for some reason, he looks too, he looked too good. I will never be off of David Johnson. Um, I, I think even going back to last season, uh, you know, once Kenny Drake came over, he was just a better fit for that offense than David Johnson was. And rightfully so he got the carries. But before Kenny Drake came in, David Johnson, the first like three, I think the first four weeks, he had three top 10 performances for the Cardinals. So it it really people, I think, is a very much overreaction because of certain situations like injuries and and the fact that Kenny Drake dominated that that whole situation last year. But the, David Johnson in Houston is going to be uh, an every week uh, play and he will finish in the top 12 of running backs this season. Yeah, and I mean that's that that's why you had him so much higher than me, right? He was my running back twenty two and you're twenty one. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
that was the uh, best that revelation. Was <laughs> yeah, that was the best revelation. If you've been listening all summer, Mike and I have almost come to blows over David Johnson, and I have him ranked one spot behind Mike. So, um, so Evan, you want to talk about Clyde Edwards Hilaire? 25 carries, 138 yards, one touchdown. Uh, there are two things to be worried about with CEH. Zero targets, six carries from the goal line without That's scoring. That's not true. That's not true. He had two targets. Oh, two targets. I meant to say zero catches. Sorry. Zero catches on two targets. You're right. Thank you, Mike. Two targets, zero catches. He did play on three out of 13 third downs, though. So there was a concern about him getting benched on third down. He did get benched at the beginning, but he started to work in more on third down. So, Evan, what do you think of the Clyde Edwards-Hilaire debut? Yep. He is who we thought he was. I'm okay with the six carries for zero yards. Houston's front four were just pile driving through. Uh-huh. Well, no, that's not the right wrestling term. They were just bowling through there. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen every week. I think it's more impressive to me that they gave him six carries inside the two. Mm-hmm. Even after the first five failed, they're like, look, man, this is one of our best options here, you know? So I'm not worried about that. Uh, not worried about the targets. Again, they're trying to – the passing game's harder to get through than the uh, rushing game. And yeah. with no actual preseason, I wouldn't be surprised. Just as you mentioned, he uh, got he got benched on third down. They're just easing him in. Yeah, that's what I think so too. And um, to your point, one, I think a lot of what CEH did wasn't, wasn't able to do at the goal line had to do with the type of plays they're calling at the goal line. You don't – he's not the type of back that you, you know, run it up the, the you know, the center's butt. And they kept doing that over and over and over. They kept trying to run him on the inside runs, and it just wasn't working. Uh, yeah, there one, are two or three times where a bounce out would have been wide open. So I think he just needs to uh, get some football sense. With yeah. Some he well, did have some runs on to the outside. He's, he's, as you guys are mentioning, he's much a, good, a better outside runner than a gap runner. But he is going to have uh, problems at the goal line. I, I, I'm really concerned, um, even if we go back, a few podcasts ago, um, when when Damian Williams decided to hold out, you'll you'll hear me talk about how uh, I was concerned about Ceh and his goal line usage and how Damian Williams was going to probably usurp that. And then we go into Thursday night and we see what we saw with six carries, negative two yards. I I am not fully uh, sold on Ceh right now as a goal line runner. I I do believe that it is something that. We should. It's not a. It's not a concern, but something we should keep on our radar. Yeah, but at the same time, he six carries at the goal line, negative two yards. Uh, Leonard Fournette had eight carries for negative two yards at the goal line when all was said and done last year, and he was a running back one. So, when you when you have a debut as good as Clyde Edwards Hilaire's was, you kind of end up having to pick nits like we are right now, right? Like it was an amazing debut for a rookie. He, he had some great runs, but also that offensive line is blowing out holes like you wouldn't believe. Uh, I know I sound like a negative Nancy on CEH, and I and, and I don't mean to be, but what we saw last night was a lot of holes, that open holes that he ran through. Um, and uh, just I was not impressed with his goal line carries. But with all that said, I think CEH is going to – come out to be uh you know a first round draft choice where we decided to pick him anywhere between six and nine overall i still think he's going to finish that way i'm just saying okay let's not throw the the party and and get excited about this guy to a full extent yet because there's still some things that that need to be worked out in his game well and i'm trying to find the stat here um for the uh broken tackles 
um, because I believe I saw earlier on Twitter that he tied the rookie debut record for broken tackles. And I want to say it was 13, but don't quote me on that because that that's a lot. But that would also be the record. I cannot find it now. Um, so he was getting a lot of open holes, but he was he was shedding some tackles. Um, he did have that beautiful dead leg where the safety took the horrible angle. Clyde Edward. Yeah. Clyde murdered that poor safety. Just put him in the ground for the on the touchdown run. But uh, um, but my buddy did point out it was a really bad angle taken by the safety. He was trying to stop CEH where CEH was standing instead of where CEH would be. But um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, it was a good debut. I don't think anybody nobody can be upset with uh, where they took him. And at this point, I don't think anybody's upset uh, passing over him. He was kind of where he was going. This is what we expected of him. Um, when all is said and done, he was going around, you know, with Dalvin Cook and um, Derek Henry. So we kind of needed to do this to return that that price, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think he, he's still going to be in that. I'm just yeah, I, I think a lot of people are overreacting to his overall play. And he is going to be someone that's going to be able to run over DBs. He's going to have a lot of broken tackles because he is so built to the ground and compact. Mm-hmm. But again, it, we I need to see more of him. I need to see him battle through garbage, you know, just a pile up of defense and offense and linemen and see him bust through that hole. I need to see him more like sort of like what Devin Singletary does, um, gets bottled up and then breaks through. Um, I'm not saying he can't do it. I just need to see him do it. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, and that's fair. Um, so you, we have... know, you know how – sorry, please finish. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, go for it. You know how if there's a major hurricane in the area, they'll interrupt the news with, like, a hurricane update and stuff like yeah. that? I think I might have to start doing that with the hurricane that is blowing through my fantasy team with Kenny Galladay doubtful. I just checked my big money home league, like you talked about, the only one we want to win. My three wide receivers are Kenny Galladay, Stefan Diggs, I start two. My only bench wide receiver, Brandon Cooks. Well, then. Ooh. That sucks. <laughs> I'm just going to eat a zero. <laughs> oh. Yum, yum. Yum, yum. All right. So back to last night's game. Um, let's see. Oh, so we had some weird uh, wide receiver usage last night. So uh, Will Fuller suddenly became a possession receiver. Ten targets, eight receptions, 112 yards um, with really only one bomb that I saw that went to him. The bombs were going to Kenny Stills, um, who was not catching them, but they were still going that direction. I saw two. remember two to Kenny Stills. But Will Fuller, eight for 112, no score. Um Probably best case scenario for Will Fuller. Um, people were getting so excited because every it feels like every time Will Fuller plays and he plays well, it's 200 yards. But 8 for 112 is nothing to sneeze at on 10 targets. It's just a weird usage pattern for him. Um, Brandon Cooks was hurt. Um, he was cleared to play. I wasn't. I own Brandon Cooks almost everywhere. I wasn't starting him anywhere. 2 for 20, that's nothing. They signed Randall Cobb to be a possession receiver and gave him three targets. Um, Jordan Akins scored a touchdown. Mike, was it you who mentioned Jordan Akins in the chat last night? Um, no, I don't believe I mentioned oh. Jordan Akins, but he is someone that I have on my radar as someone that we should uh, look at as picking up. Yeah, and uh, Duke Johnson, just one target. Um, we were kind of wondering what the workload split there. One target, five carries. He did get hurt, but it does look to be the David Johnson show. David Johnson got four targets and 11 carries. Not bad there. Um, anything to talk about with the Houston receiving core? Will Fuller, think- Brandon Cooks. 
I think it's going to be an any day kind of uh, situation for all these wide receivers. Mm-hmm. Ne- next week, you're going to see you know, Brandon Cooks with the 8 and 112. And mm-hmm. the following week, you're going to see Kenny Stills with the 8 and 112. Yeah. There's really no rhyme or reason for it, for this passing offense. I think it's whoever is open is going to probably going to get the target. Okay. Um, except for Randall Cobb. <laughs> I had Randall Cobb stashed in a deep bench league. And before the game was over, I was already figuring out what I was going to do with that bench spot because um, yikes. Um, I thought in a PPR league, he would have some upside after getting eight over 80 targets last season, but it looks like he is very far down the pecking order. Um, Evan, any uh, hot takes about Houston? Yeah, I still can't believe that Will Fuller had a quiet, good game. I don't know if that's ever happened in my memory. Yeah, it was funny. He he had eight catches, 112 yards, but it was the quietest eight for 112 ever. And I know he got like a 21-yard reception in garbage time, but he was still kicking around seven for 80 at that point. So, um, hey, what are you going to do? Fantasy points are fantasy points, right? That's right. Yep. Okay. So um, one thing I do want to say about this Houston uh, offense, it looked, other than David Johnson, it looked like it was a mess. It, it didn't look like anybody was on the same page with anybody else. It wasn't a mess so far as like false starts or anything like that. It just looked like a team trying to run an offense against competition for the first time. And it, it, it looked like Deshaun Watson on every single play was desperately trying to make something happen. It was either, you know, like a three-step drop in a, in a laser or him trying to do his best Russell Wilson impression and nothing coming of it. So, the Houston passing game, this might have to do with the Kansas City defense. I don't know. Maybe they're better. Than, I mean, Mike, you mentioned they're a good pass defense in the preview. But I do kind of think that maybe um, we have a little bit of uh, uh, maybe a cap on the ceiling here. Because we don't have an alpha wide receiver here, it could be a lot of trying to figure out in the first and second quarter who is getting open and who is getting the targets. Um but let's go ahead. Let's move on to talking about KC a little bit, the passing game. Patrick Mahomes, not a lot of passing yards, 211 pass yards, but three touchdowns. He could have had more if Demarcus <laughs> Robinson could have held on to a football. So Demarcus Robinson had two dropped touchdowns. Um, the quiet or the loudest three catch for 20 yard line, I think, in the history of of sports, because uh, he should have had two touchdowns in there. He really should have, and an extra probably what 40 yards, I would say. So he should have gone, but he didn't. And uh, he did tie for second on the team with six targets. Um, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, and he all had six targets. But the number one guy, Sammy Watkins, seven for 82 and a touchdown. Ooh, as I smack my mic. Jeez. Sorry. Sorry, everybody. Um, how many times does Sammy Watkins have to be a good game before have a good game before you feel good about putting him into your lineup? Uh, I mean, I, I would say it would be more has to be more consecutively. I uh, he looked really good um, out there last mm-hmm. night, um, even more than I know we like the the play. Like, okay, Sammy Watkins week one, and you know there and we won't see him again. But maybe it's a sobriety. Um, I don't know, but um, he he definitely looked really good, and I. I'd still be timid to put him in if, you know, if I have, you know, two or three wide receivers that, that I have over him, but I'd be really itching to put him in as well. So I, I'd give him, if he can pull out two or three out of, the, out of four weeks, two or three good weeks out of four weeks, then he's probably going to be an automatic submission for me. All right, Evan, what would you say? How, how many weeks in a row before, or how many weeks in the next four weeks does he have to do this before you trust him? 
I can't take a zero in a wide receiver two position. I shape my teams where my superstars win the game and everybody else just comes in and scores a boring five to ten points. So I don't I can't I can't like four like three straight more, three more in a row. Then he's a wide so receiver he, one. He needs to go four for four as a wide receiver one, uh promo code beer sheets before you um uh buy into this. It's it sounds bold when I say it aloud, but boy, that's just it's how I it's how I do my teams. All right, fair enough. So seven for eighty-two and one. Uh, Travis Kelsey, Travis Kelsey things. Tyreek Hill. I say it every single time somebody starts to complain about a wide receiver there or or a running back or something like this or a superstar. There are four quarters in a football game. Fifty forty-six yards and a touchdown is fine. It's not the best game, but everybody was complaining about Tyreek Hill and then he scored a touchdown and then everybody shut up. Um, Michael Harmon, one catch for six yards and it was a tap pass. It was kind of a jet sweep tap pass. Um, I'm fine swapping Hardman for Robinson, but really, uh, it's the Spider-Man meme. You're pointing two guys pointing at each other. I just feel better about Demarcus Robinson because he had six targets this week as opposed to one tap pass from McCole Hardman. Um, but that could honestly easily switch next time. So, you know, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Um, all told, if I'm going to be completely honest with you guys, Game was not as sloppy from like a penalties perspective as I expected or a fumbles or an interception. There was that one pick where um, Watson got hit while he threw. But I mean, you, you'll you see that in like a week nine game because it's uh, it's um, it just it just happens sometimes. It wasn't it wasn't as sloppy as I expected from a, a turnover perspective. So that was good. I thought it was a good good kickoff to the season. You know, it was a kind of a blowout, but then it, it got a little uh, closer as things as things went on. So. It, it, it was a blowout, but it wasn't really like a boring blowout. It was sort of a still an entertaining blowout. The mm-hmm. Chiefs, the Chiefs uh, offense is just insane. I I, I, feel, I feel sorry for any team that plays them. They, they are just so fluid. They could just take their time all day, all game long, and just drive down the field and score a touchdown. It's, it's very just so simplistic for them. Yeah, it's... It's as someone who who had to watch their team play them in the Super Bowl, it didn't feel fair. And that's how it felt today. It's just like this isn't fair. It's like you, you do your best job to cover Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey and then Sammy Watkins pops up. So you guard Sammy Watkins and Demarcus Robinson is open for two touchdowns. He drops him, but he's open for him. And then, you you know, you bottle that up and then it's Clyde Edwards Hilaire, you know, just putting your safety into the ground. It's like, what are you supposed to do? What are you supposed to do with this team? So. Um, so, all right. So that well, let's put Thursday night football to bed. Texans are 0 and 1. Chiefs are 1 and 0. And uh, let's get into the the news real quick before uh, doing the pre- the um, this week's preview. So we already talked about Mike uh, Kenny Galladay. Mike Evans is also doubtful. Um, you got to find somewhere else to go with Mike Evans. Um, I tried to figure out where to go before this uh, episode started, and I wasn't able to do it. So, um, not trusting Mike Evans this week. Not trusting Kenny Galladay. Real quick, I want to talk about the designations. So um, this was something that I planned to talk about because the NFL used to have in four injury designations. They'd have uh, probable, questionable, doubtful, and out. Okay, And the way that those were described was probable is a player is hurt but has like, you know, a 75 to 100 percent chance of playing. And doubtful was like a less than 25% chance of playing. Everybody else went into questionable unless they were out. NFL got, for some reason, I don't know why, probably has something to do with Vegas, got rid of probable. 
So now everybody who has a better than 25% chance to play, but is also banged up, ends up getting listed as questionable throughout the week. What this has done to the way that I handle practice reports is I do not look at injury reports on Wednesday. I do not look at injury reports on Thursday unless it's something like uh, something new, like Cortland Sutton or Mike Evans and Kenny Galladay. But like the, uh, you know, like uh, Preston Williams, uh, Mike Asiki and Devontae Parker were all listed as questionable yesterday and they're all listed as fully healthy today. So just keep that in mind when you get Wednesday and Thursday injury designations. If somebody pops up all of a sudden, figure out why. Sometimes it's just a, a maintenance day, but they have to put them as questionable because they can't put them as probable. So just keep that in mind. I just wanted to say that little thing off the top. Um, surprisingly, not a lot of news this week other than that. Cortland Sutton hurt his shoulder in practice. AC joint sprain. Looks like he escaped a lot of injury. But he's probably not playing this weekend against Tennessee. Um, it is Monday Night Football. If you have Cortland Sutton, um, if unless Jerry Judy is on your waiver wire, I'm not messing around with trying to stash Tim Patrick or Deshaun Hamilton or Corey Davis or something like that or Darrington Evans or you know some some guy to put in your flex for uh, Cortland Sutton. So unless I have uh, Jerry Judy or he's available on the waiver wire, I am not slotting Sutton in anywhere this weekend. Uh, but Mike, Jerry Judy's your boy. Why don't you talk to the people about Jerry Judy real quick? Yeah, so I, I've been saying that Jerry Judy's going to be outpoint Cortland Sutton in PPR leagues, and now that Sutton's probably going to miss week one. That kind of just puts a dagger into my theory. Um, but anyways, I, yeah, I, I think that with with the short routes that Jerry Judy is going to run, uh, it's going to be a lot of targets go his way. It's going to be it's going to be difficult because Sutton can stretch the field so easily. Uh, I don't know how good Hamilton is doing that, but if that field becomes compact, then that's going to be an extra workload for Jerry Judy to get open because the defensive backs and linebackers are going to play sort of you know more closer to the line of scrimmage, which is the room that Jerry Judy needs to use. So the Tennessee defense is really tough. I I. This week, I really wouldn't put Jerry Judy in, in my lineup, especially without uh, someone that's going to stretch the field and open up those lanes for him. So, yeah, I would, yeah, unless you're in a pinch, uh, you put him on my bench. Okay. All right. Uh, what about Noah Fant? This could open some stuff up for Noah Fant. He's a more downfield uh, type uh, tight end. Yeah, he, he can stretch the field as far as tight ends go. Mm-hmm. I, I still, it's still not going to open up lane for Jerry Judy, but Noah Fant uh, is an, is another option. I, I see it 50, 50. I, I it, one week is going to be Jerry Judy and the next week is going to be Noah Fant getting the targets. It's still hard to see. I, I would look at, I don't know how good Tennessee is against tight ends. Um, if they're really poor, that might be an option, but you, you're probably drafting Fant, you know, as, I don't see him as being a tight end one for you, but if, if he is, then you still have to roll with him unless you have better options. Okay, then. So um, next next thing up, uh, Evan will get your opinion. Oh, actually, this is me. I'm going to talk about this real quick, um, and then Evan will talk to you. We'll have you talking about Zach Moss a little bit. So the if you don't know right now, there are a lot of fires happening in California. Um, the air quality index for Santa Clara, where the 49ers play in practice, has been bouncing between about 150 and 170, depending on where you measure it. Um, the 
it is illegal. The city of Santa Clara will shut down the game if it hits 200 on the AQI. I don't think it's going to get there. Um, we'll probably have a decision on Saturday um, because then the teams would be able to, um, you know, call an audible on this and and change it. Um, two things about this AQI. One, Tevin Coleman did precaution take a precaution and rest two weeks ago because he does have some pre-existing conditions. Um, it's one of the reasons why I thought he might um, opt out for COVID-19 reasons, but he's got some pre-existing conditions. Um, two, there are other options for this. People are talking about getting worried that the game's going to get canceled. Um, option one, Santa Clara is an hour flight from from um, Arizona. So just flip-flop the home games. It doesn't matter. There's not going to be fans in the stands anyways. Where you're playing is inconsequential. Um, two, there's another option there, which is the AQI is supposed to drop precipitously on Monday. So give us a Monday football triple header. Come on, NFL. Do it. Do it. Do it. Give us a triple header on Monday. I want that more than anything. Um, th- lastly, I, I know I said two, but, um, I'm just, I'm, I'm going to say three. Um, you're going to know on Saturday. So don't panic about this. People are taught, people are panicking on Twitter about this. Like maybe they're going to have to bench people, uh, pre- preemptively. Don't panic. If they're going to reschedule or cancel a game, they're not going to do it at the last second. They're going to do it preemptively. Um, so I ain't worried about this. Um, and if you want to check on it, don't check San Francisco. Check San Jose. There's a jet stream that goes through San Francisco that does not go down to, to San Jose. Um, the AQIs are about 30 to 40 different. Um, I don't know, 30 to 40 figures different uh, between San Francisco and um and Santa Clara, where the 49ers play. So check San Jose. Don't check San Francisco. Check what the air is like in San Jose. Also, the air in the the air, for lack of a better term, is a lot different than the air on the ground. AQI in Santa Clara yesterday was like 150, but on the practice field where the 49ers measured it, it was 69. Nice. So don't 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 overthink this. We love to overthink things in fantasy football. Don't overthink this. Take the information as it comes to you. Don't panic. That's what I have to say about the AQI. So uh, Zach Moss. So the Athletics' Joe Biscaglia said that Buffalo's Week One's matchup against the Jets could favor Zach Moss. Zach Moss is between the tackles running. And my takeaway from this, what they went on to say, was that Devin Singletary is handling the pass-catching duties. So I'm wondering if we're getting into a split-roll situation in Buffalo um, with Devin Singletary taking more of the pass-catching role, and which I don't know why because they're – I don't know. I think Moss is a slightly better pass catcher. But Evan, are you starting Zach Moss this weekend? Yeah, I have to start him in my big money league. Hey, look. There's Brandon Cook in the flex. It was him and Brandon Cooks. Oh, boy. So, yeah. I'm starting I to wonder if I'm not so great at auction after all. Um, <laughs> it's a 14-team league, though. Uh, yeah, they, have, they clearly drafted Moss because Devin Singletary gets injured when he goes north-south. And you got to go north south in the Jets because CJ Mosley is out for the season, uh, opting out for COVID. So I think that's just it's a very clear game plan there. Let's just pound it through there, win in the fourth quarter when everybody's bruised up, and beat a a, a, a bad team that without not trying to overthink it or get cute. Yeah, I, I think that's right. So I what I think is going to happen is I think that they are going to basically Zach Moss is going to get let loose in the second half when they're up uh, by three touchdowns on the on the Jets. And um, just kind of uh, salt the game away. Mike, are you starting Zach Moss this weekend? Um, I don't have Zach Moss at all. What? Yeah. You're off the pod. Yeah. I, I, I was kind of worried about that for a minute there. Yeah. Um, 
So, uh, I mean, I, I, I think it's going to be what we saw between Frank Gore and Devin Singletary in the beginning of last season uh, is going to be the same same way played out. So, if you're comfortable with that with Zach Moss as being the Frank Gore role, then roll with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, one thing I love to point out, point out with the Frank Gore role is before he had three stacked up shots at the goal line and they stopped using him entirely, he did average 14 touches per game. So um, there is a lot of opportunity there in the Frank Gore role. And uh, boys, guess what? I just checked the the football absurdity league that um, I didn't get to draft in because I was handling Beer Sheets uh, customer service, which, by the way, thank you for everybody's patience this week. We had a lot of issues with um, with our hosting this week, and I was manually sending out Beer Sheets. I appreciate everybody's patience with that. Forgot to mention that off the top. Thank you very much for being patient with that. But guess who the uh, the computer drafted me? Mike Kosicki. Uh, let me I'll give you a hint. Seven catches for 82 yards and a touchdown, and I started him against Waleed. <laughs> Sa- Sammy Watkins, baby. And I just I just sent Waleed a trade offer, Sammy Watkins, for uh, Drew Locke. So we'll see if that works. Um, so if, if, your, if your team, without much waiver wire work, like starts 4-0, I'm shutting the league down next year. That's fair enough. <laughs> it's just going to be the, the, the Football Absurdity Experts League, all robots. And for so nobody knows nobody really knows this unless you follow me on Twitter. But I did not get a chance to draft in this league because it was an auction and I was doing the beer sheets customer service thing. It is a super flex league and I have three tight ends and one quarterback, and that quarterback is Ryan Fitzpatrick. Oh my goodness! <laughs> this is one of the worst teams I've ever seen in my entire life. I have boring. Yeah, I. Good news. Oh. Perfect. Okay, here's something that's never been said in the history of of anything ever. Thank God my waiver claims went through for Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles. (laughs) So now I have two quarterbacks for now. I have three quarterbacks. Two of them are on the same team. But now I'm gonna now I'm gonna crush Waleed. That's the plan. So high on those tight ends too. You spent like mega money. Well, not you personally, but the auto spent like mega money on those tight ends. I know. I got Kelsey Gronk and Ian Thomas, who I now have Kelsey and Gronk, and I don't want Gronk. I don't want Gronk. I'm hoping he smashes in week one. I can trade him. All right. Um, James Robinson of the Jacksonville Jaguars will start and can handle the workload per Jay Gruden. I I'm. You have to be desperate to start James Robinson. I would say he's probably like the 30th running back that I would start this week um, going up against this Colts defense that I think is going to be really good. And I have to rewrite my sleeper article for tomorrow because Debo Samuel is out for Monday or for uh, for Sunday. So that just came across the wire. So hopefully nobody has Debo, um, Mike Evans and Kenny Galladay in a uh, in a in a league. But um, but yeah, Debo Samuel, I just got the notification, is out for Monday officially. He is he's uh, not or for Sunday. He is not going to play. Um, but what I was saying was um, wide James Robinson. Apocalypse. Wide receiver apocalypse. Doo, doo, doo. Um, I'm not worried about James Robinson doing anything this weekend. And if he does something on my bench, I will be more than happy to accept that future. Are you guys kind of in the same spot as me? Um, the good thing about auction is I'm never reaching for running back well like the first the first thing i'd be asking you is why is james Ro- james robinson on your roster there's uh, question one hey some people are desperate um the second is that you know robinson isn't really all that bad yeah he, uh, he's 
if if you if you watch him, he looks he looks. Now I'm not saying he is, but he looks a lot like Ch. Compact, low to the ground. He has good balance. Uh, he's he's definitely a workhorse back. He can be someone that's on every down. Uh, he has good blocking skills. He can catch the ball pretty well. He's just slow, and um, uh, but in, in good short yardage situations and gap. Um, offensive plays, which the Jacksonville Jaguars like to run, he's he can fit right in. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if he if he gets you know a touchdown or so from like the one yard line. But um, he's he's just not someone that is going to be on people's rosters because he was an undrafted running back, and you know we we have a ton of Raquel Armstead and Divine Ozigbo and all these kind of other guys that were ahead of him. But I would not be surprised if he surprises this week. Yeah, he's still only 45% owned in Yahoo. So if you are desperate, um, you can pick him up. But I'm not super excited about this at all. No, there's really no reason for for you, unless you're in a bad running back situation, to go out and grab him right now. Okay, yeah, exactly. That's kind of how I feel about it. So, all right. Um, oh, Jarvis Landry's snap count is pending the Browns game plan with Kevin Stefanski calling plays. He said this. This is what I picture. Not a lot of Jarvis Landry. If you took him, he's probably your third, fourth, fifth wide receiver. I wouldn't start him this weekend. They are playing the Ravens. I think their game plan is to run it with Chubb, run it with Hunt, run it with Chubb, run it with Hunt, run it with Chubb, run it with Hunt, and then run it with Chubb again. Um, Because their goal is going to be to keep Lamar Jackson off the field as much as possible. So, um, you know, I don't think Jarvis Landry is going to be in for a big target volume coming off of his hip injury. So cautiously, I'm saying be on the cautious side and and don't start Jarvis Landry this week if you can help him. If you can help it. Um, There's five guys. What's up? Just to cut in a little bit. um, The Jaguars signed uh, Dare Ogunbowale. Oh, yeah, I forgot. They signed signed your boy Dare. So, scrap James Robinson. Go pick up Dare everywhere. Absolutely. Yeah, just just cut uh, cut CEH for Dare. Yeah, that's what you should. Absolutely, 100%. Dare is the man. If he's owned, find the Dare Ogunbowale owner and trade him CEH. (laughs) I guarantee that trade goes through. (laughs) <laughs> I guarantee that that he will accept that trade. Um, but anyways, uh, got, there's some guys who hit the injury report this week and then came off of it. Deontay Johnson, the big three in Miami. Um, you know, uh, first you had LeBron, Bosch, and Wade. Now you have Preston Williams, Mike Gesicki, and Devontae Parker, the big three in Miami. Um, and then TJ Hawkinson. All those guys kind of bounced off the injury report. TJ Hawkinson said his ankle that gave us so much consternation earlier this year is 100%. He says he's good to go. So kind of makes me wonder why he was talking about it three weeks ago um, when everybody was worrying. So, all right, boys, are you ready to get back at it? The big, the big uh, weekly preview. So what we do if this is your first episode is we go game by game um, to talk about um, what we are going to be looking for this weekend. Um, that sort of acts as our preview. And then on Tuesday, we review everything. So um, the Houston KC game is over. Um, you guys had some questions for that. We kind of talked through it without um, uh, addressing it directly. Is there anything actually you want to say? Evan, you wanted to talk about the new pieces. Uh, Mike, you want to talk about the Houston run defense. We kind of did both of that already. Yeah, it was fun. I, 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 I walked away from that game delighted and excited for the mm-hmm. season. I was so happy for CEH to be good. 
I did not want the takes the take meisters to be correct. There were so many people talking like talking spicy on Twitter about how David Johnson was going to score more points than CEH or rush for more yards, and it was just like the hot take machine. I, I was glad to, that CEH shut down the hot take machine. Uh, Mike, what do you think about the uh, Houston run run offense? Well, as we saw, DJ just blew apart that Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Uh, run defense that run defense is bad for the chiefs i mean if, if there's any glaring weaknesses the chiefs have it's that stopping the run luckily for them most teams aren't going to be you know running the ball because they're going to be way behind so mm-hmm. you know it's not really a necessity for them to to um you know sort of manhandle but in games where it's close or games where teams are ahead and they can run on the chiefs that those will be the games that the chiefs will lose Okay. All right. All right. Let's go ahead. Let's start talking about Sunday. So first game up on the slate is Seattle at Atlanta. Uh, Seattle finished last year at 11 and five. Uh, Atlanta was a disappointing seven and nine in this one. Seattle are one point road favorites and it has a 49 point over under a couple of changes about these teams in the off season. Atlanta got rid of Austin Hooper added Hayden Hurst, no longer have Devonta Freeman and have Todd Gurley. Now, if this is, if you're playing catch up now, that's kind of the big moves that Atlanta's made. Seattle added Jamal Adams, who's a great safety, um, probably to stop George Kittle and Tyler Higby. Um, and they also added uh, Carlos Hyde to the running back room and added DJ Dallas through the draft as well. Um, so Evan, you want to know about the Atlanta offense and what could possibly stop it. I would say Jamal Adams might go a decent decent way to stopping um, that Atlanta offense. We'll see. Can they scheme around him, though? Mm-hmm. You know, what what happened? You know, we've got the same exciting uh, set of pieces going with the added variable of no one's had any time to scheme. So I feel like that favors the offense more than the defense, since the passing game is not changed much from last year. I think it. I think it just favors continuity. Uh, that's more than more than anything else, right? Am I am I crazy in thinking that it just favors continuity? I'm hoping so. You're hoping so? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So Mike, you want to see the volume share between Metcalf and Lockett if it's going to be kind of equal or if one will emerge that's what you're you're trying to see for this weekend yeah as we saw last year um lockett is definitely the wide receiver one on the team on the depth chart but dk metcalf had a fantastic rookie season uh and almost matched pretty much lockett step by step so will metcalf take another step forward and sort of become that wide receiver number one and move Lockett down the depth chart, or will Lockett continue his hold and sort of, you know, keep Metcalf at bay? Either way, it, it this to me is a 1A, 1B situation. So if you have you have either one, you, sh- you should be pretty happy with, with the, output, uh, the production that's going to happen for Seattle against this Atlanta defense. Okay. So um, right now we're, we're, we're trying to see what all the questions we had in the offseason. We're kind of just splaying that out because um, it's the first week of the season. Um, I'm just remembering these things got very specific <laughs> as the season went on. Like it'd be like, will uh, Darrington Evans get 12 carries? Like, I feel like that's going to be the sev- week seven question. But for now, nice big things because we got a lot of questions to answer. 
Yeah, I mean, we because we, we don't really know what's going to happen in yeah. the season. I mean, we can we can even players that we've seen forever, you know, that as steady as can be, a Jarvis Landry could end up catching 40 passes this season. So we, we never we never really know. So you can't really make big statements. You can't really have okay, this is what's going to happen until the season starts to play out more and more. Yeah. So um, so yeah, one of the ways to ask the right questions is how having the information to ask the right questions. We just don't have that information yet. So, all right, let's go ahead. We'll move on to the Jets and Buffalo. Jets ended last year seven and nine, Buffalo 10 and six. Uh, Buffalo's biggest move for fantasy purposes uh, was trading a first round pick for Stefan Diggs and um, drafting Zach Moss, who we talked about a little bit earlier um, in the podcast. For the Jets, they added Brashad Perriman, drafted Denzel Mims, and added Frank Gore because, um, Evan, this ties into your question, Adam Gase hates Le'Veon Bell. (laughs) <laughs> so Evan, you want to know if Adam Gase hates logic, right? I don't. He did it in Miami. Now everybody in Miami is great because he's not there anymore. Now he's doing it the New York Giants. Like what? What is your problem? How did this happen? What is going on that you don't like? You hate winning. You hate Le'Veon Bell. When Le'Veon Bell is winning you the game, you stop giving it to him. I don't. It's it's odd. He's it's odd. Yes. All right. So yes, what what Evan's referencing with does Adam Gase hate logic is that he doesn't just give Le'Veon Bell the ball a whole bunch of times and he's brought in Frank Ward to try to take touches away from Le'Veon Bell. So um, we'll we'll take a look and see how Adam Gase handles that running back situation this weekend. So Mike, you want to know who inverge, emerges as a better fantasy option in the Buffalo backfield, Devin Singletary or Zach Moss? Yeah. I- I hate this th- that this is even a question because going back to last year, starting around like week nine or ten, I was just enthralled with Devin Singletary. Singletary became my guy. I was completely excited about him for for this season be- because to me there there was no reason for it, for the Bills to bring anybody on board because he showed that he could be a bell cow back. And then what do they do? They go out and draft Zach Moss in like the third, fourth round. And now it seems like all the camp talk is Zach Moss, Zach Moss, this dude's a stud. He's, he's going to take over. And, and it's just like, okay, well, what's going to really happen? Uh, is Singletary going to get to be the guy that's going to be between the twenties and Zach Moss in, you know, near the goal line and, and steal all the touchdowns. Or is it going to be just Zach Moss being um, a great running back and putting the mute button on Devin Singletary? That's going to play out. We'll, we'll see what happens. I don't think that's going to be a, you know, we're going to find out in week one. This is going to be an over the season kind of process. But mm-hmm. for right now, uh, I think Singletary is going to be in between the 20s while Moss is going to be the goal line guy. Uh, yeah, that'll be interesting to see because I think um... – I think they'll get worked in a little bit more. I think we might see, start to see some two uh, running back sets from them. A good amount of those. We saw some of those last night from Houston. Um, some two running back sets with uh, John Brown and Stefan Diggs on the outside, and also Dawson Knox. Um, so that might be that might be an interesting setup that the the Bills do to get them both on the field um, and kind of run a a back and forth offense with them. So uh, next one up, Chicago at Detroit. Uh, Chicago was 8-8 eight eight last season, which was shocking. They felt like they were a 4-12 team. 
Um, Detroit was almost a 4-12 team, 3-12-1. Detroit are three-point favorites with a 44-point over-under. Big changes in Detroit. They added DeAndre Swift this offseason. And, uh, of course, guys, who could forget the blockbuster acquisition by Detroit of Geronimo Allison. Who could forget that, huh? Right? Geronimo! Geronimo. (laughs) Uh, the Bears added um, BDN, Nick Foles, uh, from the Jaguars to compete with Mitchell Trubisky, but they didn't want to have a guy who was too much better than Mitchell Trubisky. That was kind of their justification for not getting Cam, which is a very wild and stupid thing to say and to do. Um, but they didn't do much um, to – they didn't add much offensively. They're mostly running it back on that end. So, Mike, we'll start with you. You want to know if David Montgomery is a bust. David Montgomery's got a – uh, groin injury. How are we going to figure that out this week one? Well, week one, I, I, I don't know. He's still, is he still questionable? I think he still has a chance to play. However, uh, being, a, being a bust is more going to be, and again, throughout the season, we'll, we'll find out. But last year he was just awful. Um, he had one of the lowest yards per carry averages in the NFL um just didn't do anything uh he's supposed to be a pretty good receiver out of the backfield they really didn't show that much uh i so yeah i mean with chicago and their and their way that they can continuously fumble drafting um these players uh, david montgomery looks like another player up for them that would be a bust and we'll see well i mean that detroit Rush defense is garbage, and if David Montgomery can play and is healthy enough to play and he doesn't do much, I, I think we're in for a long season. Yeah, so um, while you were talking, I checked. Um, David Montgomery's looking likely to pe- play, so we might start to get an answer to that question. Um, and if he does have an agging injury with that groin, that might be part of the answer to the question. Guys, remember when David Montgomery died like three weeks ago? He was never going to come back ever again. And everybody was talking about how the Bears were going to go out and sign Devonta Freeman and trade for, you know, yes. they, they were going to be the ones to get Leonard Fournette and all that stuff. And now he's probably going to play this weekend. So uh, let that be a lesson to everybody who overreacts to um, every little, uh, as Chris Harris calls it, every fart and whistle um, <laughs> of of the uh, of the uh, the infosphere of fantasy football. So, Evan, you want to know who has the better offensive improvement, Detroit or Chicago? I think yeah. we might have to we might have to take a, a pass on this one for this week because yeah, of the no I, Kenny I, Galladay. I'm audibling. That, okay. We're stopping the fight because Kenny Galladay is not there. <clears throat> now, what I want to know is <clears throat> Detroit's got a good offense even without Galladay. Chicago's got a decent defense, good defense. They're probably going to score a medium a medium amount of points. 17 to 21, somewhere in there. So I'm wondering, Mitch Trubisky and the Bears offense, can you score 17 points? Can the Bears score 17 points? Is that going to happen? Because if that's going to happen, we're going to have Wally Dismail and all the Bears fans out there, all the super fans, are, are, are going to have hope. But if it doesn't happen, man, this season feels nipped in the bud. Yeah, the I can't. I can't imagine having a bar that low for hope. 17 points, two touchdowns, and a field goal. That means you don't score in at least one quarter, and that's how you get hope. Yep. <laughs> oh, boy. So Evan wants to know if the Bears can score 17 points. And, I mean, what they got superstars. They got Jimmy Graham. They got Corderell Patterson. They got some real game breakers on that offense. No, they, they have Alan. Cole, Cole Komet. Watch out for him. 
They got Cole Komet. And you know how we say on this podcast, rookie tight ends. That's where you want to go. They're always good. They're yeah, always every year. Good. Every year. Who did Detroit year. get with that really high draft pick? Uh, DeAndre. Oh, their first round pick? Yeah. Oh, that like corner. third, right? That corner. What was his name? Um, corner. That's all I needed to know. What'd you say? That's all I need to know is where they where they put the guy. Yeah, it's um. God, why am I blanking on the name? He was like the best corner in the draft. Uh, Jeff Okuda. Okay. Yeah, from your your boy. Isn't he Ohio? I thought Okuda yeah. went to the to the Lions. Yeah, that's yeah, what that's, that's what. Oh, yeah. I thought you mentioned the Bears. I was on the Bears. Okay, never mind. No, the the Bears used their first round pick to go get Khalil Mack a couple of years ago. That's right. Yeah. No, uh, Evan Akuto, your boy from Ohio State. Yeah, that's who that's who went to um cool, cool, cool. to to Detroit. All right, next game up, Green Bay with with a fraudulent thirteen and three last year, uh, uh taking on Minnesota ten and six Fraud. in the in the got smashed by the Niners in the playoffs bowl. <laughs> I didn't even realize that till I saw this. Um the Packers uh, should have added a bunch of wide receivers. They didn't. Uh that what they did add was AJ Dillon in the second round. Um, and a, a quarterback who is unlikely to see the field, uh, Jordan Love, right? It's they got Jordan Love. Yeah, they got Jordan Love in the first round. Yeah, in the first round. He, we'll see him three years from now. Yeah, he'll he'll do the uh, the Brett Favre um, to Aaron Rodgers track. And then Minnesota, they traded Stephon Diggs. They took Justin Jefferson with that pick. That's pretty much all they did on the offense uh, for fantasy football purposes to change anything. Uh, they did kind of have a bloodletting on the defense because everybody's cat figure got way too high. Um, and, oh, I forgot to put it in the news. Daniil Hunter, um, defensive end for the uh, Vikings, not going to play for the, for three weeks. Uh, IR is three weeks now. He's on IR. Um, so 10 a.m. on Sunday, Pacific time, 46 and a half point over under Minnesota, two and a half point favorites, um, which is very interesting. And uh, Mike, you want to know if Kirk Cousins can carry more than one wide receiver? Because I think I know where your thinking's coming in forever. We, we ranked Diggs and Thielen in a way that we're like, one of them is going to smash. We don't know which one it is. And if one guy smashes, it, you know, they'll be very good, but can he support too? Exactly. And, you know, with Justin Jefferson coming in also, it, you know, he's, I don't know how, one of the other questions that sort of coincides with this is who's going to play the slot and who's going to play the wing and who's going to play the slot more and who's going to play the wing more. It's, I think they're going to rotate these spots. I, you know, Kirk Cousins is not only just an intermediate kind of passer, but this team is going to run, run, run. So even even so, the, the running game is going to sort of squish Kirk Cousins' ability to even carry more than wide re- one wide receiver on this team. The question is, it's who's going to be. I think Adam Thielen is going to dominate just because Justin Jefferson's a rookie and he's going to be learning the ropes and it's really difficult for wide receivers to sort of get in into traction with their quarterback, especially when you're dealing with COVID and everything else. I I really think that Adam, Adam Thielen is going to be a super stud this year. He should be able to get up, you know, a hundred or more receptions uh, and taken way too late in most drafts just because of his off year last season. Okay. All right. And then so for Evan, you want to see this uh, Aaron Jones and, and A.J. Dillon ratio, which a lot was made of it in the offseason. And fake plastic tea in the Discord is going to tell you to shut up. 
Well, yeah, I believe that A.J. Jones is not the second-round pick he, he's been taken with because, you know, two seasons ago, he was criminally underused, had a great last season. Then they drafted A.J. Dillon. So there's some reason they do not like using, and I guess it's a different coach, so whatever. Also, new coaches like to do use their own pieces, and A.J. Dillon was drafted by the new coach. Who is it now, Mike McCarthy? Uh, new coach is, no, Mike McCarthy was there. It's, um, God, why am I blinking? LaFleur. Uh, LaFleur from uh, Thank Tennessee. You. Yeah, so. Why, why, do, why do the Packers love A.J. for, for their running backs? You got Aaron Jones, A.J., and you have A.J. Dillon. They, they're in love with A.J. names. That's true. That's true. Fascinating. Uh, they'll, they'll pick up A.J. Jenkins and convert him to, to running back. A.J. Green's going to be their north-south guy. Mm-hmm. All right. So, yeah. Um, Evan, was that all you wanted to say about Jones and Dylan? Yeah. New coach picked up a new guy. I don't, I'm not in on Aaron Jones. Okay. Next game up Miami five and 11 last year against new England, 12 and four last year. And they won the AFC East 10 AM game, 43 and a half point over under new England, six and a half point favorites, uh, Miami. Um, what has changed is they now have Jordan Howard and Matt Breida in the backfield. Two guys opted out in their passing game. Uh, Albert Wilson and Alan Hearns, it's going to concentrate targets a lot more. Um, they solidified their offensive line in the draft, and they went out and they got Tua Tungovailoa, who was one of the top quarterbacks um, in the draft before he cracked his hip um, ending his season last year. He's not going to play this week, so I'm not too worried about what he's going to be doing. Um, looks like they're being cautious with him. As for New England, not much changed, right? Pretty much the same as it's been there for two decades. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. No, oh, absolutely. no change at quarterback or <laughs> or anything like that. No, not not at all. So Tom Brady's now a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. Uh, their number one wide receiver is Julian Edelman. Number two is Nikhil Harry. Uh, they ended up cutting Mohamed Sanu. Um, Damian Harris might be their number one running back. Um, a lot has changed there. Half the squad has opted out. It feels like um, because I think of COVID. Damian Harris is out the, this week. Yes. Yeah. So Damian Harris, I was going to say yes, is on short-term IR. So it's going to be. And Sonny Michelle's probably not going to play, so it's Rex Burkhead and James White. So it's James White. Smash your, smash, start your James Whites everywhere. Um, and um, Cam Newton is their quarterback now. Um, after a whole offseason of, of uh, um, Bill Belichick going, no, we believe in Stidham. No, we believe in Stidham. No, we believe in Stidham. And then Cam Newton got a minimum contract and is starting. So Evan wants to know is if this is the year that New England finally chokes it all away and is four and twelve and Evan feels like he's deserved it. Is it a tuck rule thing? Is that why you feel like you've deserved this? <laughs> it's a tuck rule thing. It's a I don't like Tom Brady's personal life thing. It's a they cheat all the time thing. Yeah, come on, twenty twenty. Do one solid. Just one. If you're gonna tear it all down, tear some bad down with the good. There's some bad. Well, I mean, it's not like the Patriots have a, a three percenter on the squad now or anything like that. Good Lord. All right. So, Evan, uh, or I'm sorry. So, Mike, let's uh, let's talk your your question. <laughs> I'm listening. I'm listening. What's your question, Mike? <laughs> so my question is, is Mike Gesicki the real deal or a player of happenstance? And, and you know what? I, since I asked the question, Jeff, go ahead and answer this. I think that that question is not going to be answered this week because I actually don't think that this is a good matchup for Mike Kosicki. That's the only problem. When I when I was touting Mike Kosicki, touting Mike Kosicki, I said, who does he play week one? Oh, God, it's the Patriots. 
they lost Dante Hightower. They don't have Patrick Chung. Um, hopefully that soothes my soul. And Mike Sicky gets eight targets for 40, no, for 59 yards and a touchdown. Then I'll be very happy. But I think he is, I think he's, a, he, it takes a real deal player to take advantage of happenstance like he did last year, be top seven with, um, with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Do you think I was going to say something bad about Mike Kosicki? I, I was waiting what for What did it. you think was going to happen here? <laughs> what did you think was going to happen here? No, I don't think it's a great matchup for him this week. And I, you know, there are some guys I'm, I haven't benched in a lot of leagues where I have him and someone else. Um, but I'm rolling with him in a couple leagues because that's just how I've decided to do it. Um, but I do, I do feel a little wary to be touting Mike Kosicki so much to start off with, uh, with this matchup uh, for him. So, um, so forget about week one, but anywhere from week two to 15 or 13 or whatever, how long your seasons go, he's he's not a happenstance player. He is the real deal. I feel like he's the real deal. He gets, the, ooh, in two weeks he gets the Jags. So at least hold on to him for two weeks. I feel like a Jags is a start all situation. Start all your guys going up against the Jags. So, all right, let's go ahead. Let's move on to Philadelphia versus Washington football team. Uh, Philadelphia, 9-7 and seven last year. Somehow won the AFC East and Washington 3 and 13 they picked second. Uh 10 a.m. start 43 point over under Philadelphia 6 and a half point favorites. Uh Philly added Jalen Rieger to this passing game. They no longer have Jordan Howard and I believe those are the major changes for them. They drafted a Jalen Hurts in the second round um but that's a quarterback so that only matters if Carson Wentz gets hurt. I'm sorry, when Carson Wentz gets hurt. And then uh, for Washington, they overhauled the entire franchise, and it's still not enough. Uh, the uh, the Redskins' name is gone. They are now Washington football team. Ron Rivera is their head coach. Um, they went out and got Antonio Gibson in the draft, who's a super phenom sleeper guy for in the fantasy community. Uh, Bryce Love's back. They don't have Darius Geis. They don't have Adrian Peterson. Um, they're hitting a big, fat reset button on the franchise, and Alex Smith is back. He's going to be backing up Dwayne Haskins, but he's back. He made it all the way back from his leg injury, and if he takes one regular season snap, he has the comeback player of the year locked up. Notice how I didn't put that on the on the um, the the sheet last week for our, or earlier this week for the projections. It's like it's going to be Alex Smith if he plays if he plays one snap. It's going to be Alex Smith. So I'm not even I didn't even uh, entertain that. So, uh, Evan, you want to know about Sanders' lower body injury because they have been very cagey about this because they didn't have to be specific about what it was before now. Yeah, my nickname, my personal nickname around the office that is just me at my desk for Miles Sanders is now Bunny Slope because at the start of the offseason or at the start of the – after the draft, I was really high on him. You know, I was, I was atop the Miles Sanders mountaintop, high first-round pick, and slowly – Slowly, I started to say never too, never too much, never too much as his injury history got questioned and people kept mentioning Boston Scott. And now that we're one, two days away from the playoffs, from the two days away from week one starting, I find that I'm like, huh, that was never a big drop off in my opinion, but somehow I'm at the bottom of the mountain. So I just want to know, Miles Sanders, do I own any shares of Miles Sanders? Nope, don't own any shares of Miles. Oh, I own one share. Well, good. That'll be fun. Or maybe that's Emmanuel Sanders. I just wrote down Sanders. Good job, Evan. Uh, nope, no shares of Miles Sanders. That's where I've been. From second round, high second round pick to I don't have him. Let's see what this, quote, lower body injury, which is, what, his hamstring? Yeah. 
Let's see what this is. Now let's see how it treats him this year. Yeah. All right. And so, Mike, you want to know if Dwayne Haskins is the next Mitchell Trubisky? Yeah. Uh, Dwayne Haskins was awful in his first few games. I think he had, like, one touchdown to, like, ten interceptions or some insane kind of ratio. Uh, he did sort of turn it around at the end of the season. I, You know, I just don't – I watched this guy play, and just he just – nothing really stands out to me and it's it's getting to that point where okay he was injured and so and then he didn't start the season as a starter and you can make reasons and maybe even excuses of why he's not going to be you know something great uh from last year and then throw him into the fire this year and see how he does but if he does start out slow and he does have a rocky season then I'm very concerned. I, I'm saying, okay, this guy could definitely be the next Mitchell Trubisky. Okay. All right. Man. We'll see. We'll see. Um, he had a very up and down rookie year, so we'll see how that goes. All right. Next game up, Vegas Raiders. Another change. They are no longer Oakland. They are the Las Vegas Raiders, 7-9 against the Carolina Panthers, 5-11. and 11. Uh, Vegas Raiders do not have Tyrell Williams. He tore his labrum. Um, they added Henry Ruggs III in the draft. They also added Brian Edwards. Um, they added and, and got rid of every pass-catching running back in the in the uh, entire universe over the offseason, it felt like. And um, they got rid of Lynn Bowden, who they drafted in the third round, for which w- was a very silly draft pick. Um, they also added Marcus Mariota, but it looks like Derek Carr is pretty solid um, as the starter for now. Um, John Gruden's favorite quarterback is always his next quarterback. Uh, Carolina five and 11. They, um, they have Teddy Bridgewater quarterback now, instead of the Will Greer and Kyle Allen experience, they added Robbie Anderson, um, in the draft and they lost, I'm not sorry, not in the draft in free agency. They lost Greg Olson and they spent their, literally their entire draft on the defense, nary an offensive line, nary a depth receiver or running back. They spent the entire thing on the defense on the, I think I said offense the first time, but they spent it all on the defense. Uh, this is a 10 a.m. start 47 and a half point over under Vegas, three point favorites. Evan, you get to go first since this is your squad. Will either team get a defense or did either team get a defense while I wasn't looking? And yeah, I mean, Carolina, like Carol- definitely, yeah, Carolina yeah. definitely tried. They Let's drafted almost goes. a whole defense, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then the Raiders perpetually have no defense, so I don't know. What's the over/under on this? Forty-seven and a half. I take the over. Yeah. So there you go. Um, it's interesting, actually. I never got to mention this because uh, it hasn't happened since our since our last podcast. I did my big money league draft. You thought as the home league, and our home is is uh, the East Bay, uh, where Oakland, California is. And every year, I kind of pencil out. Oakland players because of homerism and I did that this year and I what I neglected to think of is everybody hates the Oakland hates the Raider players now because they all feel betrayed by the team except me who has no allegiance to any region whatsoever I just like the Raiders because they're they're bad and they're pirates and that's cool uh so I ended up getting like Josh Jacobs in a 14 team league for a tiny bit of a discount so that's cool that's not bad you'll take that you'll buy that for a dollar um so dollars, right. but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so all right. And then um Mike, you want to know if uh will there be a new a number one wide receiver to emerge for the Raiders? So they got they got Ruggs and Brian Edwards in the draft. They already had Hunter Renfro there. Um they got a bunch of junk depth guys like Nelson Aguilar or whatever, but you want to see if a number one wide receiver will uh will emerge there. Yeah, I, I think it, 
Okay, and first of all, a wide receiver is going to have to catch the ball for the Raiders. That just didn't happen at all last year. So will will Ruggs uh, be be that guy? Uh, will Edwards be that guy? Will it be Hunter Renfro? I mean, I think there's maybe even Darren Waller. I, I don't know. But there's got to be a wide receiver number one if the Raiders are going to be any good this year at passing the ball. Um Mostly, it really wasn't even Derek Carr's problem. It was just the fact that the Raiders uh, were allergic to keeping the football in their hands. So uh, I, I I think hopefully that Edwards and Ruggs will improve that. But even between Edwards and Ruggs, is there someone that's going to stand out? And we won't know that until probably the end of the season. Yeah, that'll be that'll be one to monitor. Um That'll definitely be one to monitor as the season goes along um, over there in Vegas. So, all right. Next one up is uh, Indianapolis at Jacksonville. Mike, your boy, 7-9 last year, kind of a disappointing season. Did anybody retire right before the season to make that happen? Maybe your, you know, your court, your, uh, your uh, who for most franchises would be the best quarterback in their history, but you guys had Peyton Manning. <laughs> yeah, right. And then so. going from Peyton Manning right into Andrew Luck. And both and Peyton Manning left because of a uh, neck surgery and, you know, just had played there for quite a while. And, and then they decided, OK, well, we have a chance to get Andrew Luck because the Colts, I think, finished like two and 14 that season without Peyton Manning. And all they had was like, uh, God, Kerry Collins as a quarterback at the time, who was absolutely toast at that time. But anyways, so they had a chance to get Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck, of course, was excellent one of the best quarterbacks and then injury so yes i think it absolutely had to do with it jacob Brissett wasn't really too bad if you look go back into his beginning of his uh 2019 season for the first seven or eight games he was not you know 15 16 uh ranked quarterback in fantasy and was doing really well and then of course injuries hit and it, it all fell out so my question is: Michael Pittman more like Paris Campbell or Kawhi Hilton? I think when Paris Campbell came in last year uh, as a rookie, everybody was very excited about his speed. Uh, Evan probably could attest to how good he was with Ohio State, and then he just injuries and just didn't really appear to be he appeared uh, to be more like Curtis Samuel than what we expected out of him for the Colts. So will he be more like that or will he be like the great T.Y. Hilton? And we'll find out this year what what wide receiver he's going to be more like. Hopefully he'll be more like T.Y. Hilton, someone that they can, you know, use both on the wings. Hilton and Pittman could be the X and Z, while Paris Campbell could be the Y. That would be a great formation for wide receivers. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, so, all right. So, uh, yes, that was Mike's question was about what Michael Pittman is going to be uh, real quick before we get to you, Evan. Um, it's, uh, Indianapolis, Jacksonville, 10 a.m. Start 45 point over under Indianapolis, seven and a half point favorites. Uh, Colts no longer have Jake, uh, Jake brisket starting. Um, they do have, um, Phillip rivers. Now, um, they added Michael Pittman as Mike talked about in the draft. They also added Jonathan Taylor, uh, to the top of their running back room, Jacksonville, uh, got rid of Leonard Fournette, which you already know. Got rid of Yannick Ngakwe. 
uh, great defensive linemen. Um, Gardner, they got rid of Nick Foles. It's the Gardner Minshew and DJ Chark show uh, with a, uh, a guest appearance by LaVisca Chenault, I'll say, who they drafted um, in the second round this year. So, Evan, you want to know if the Jags can give you something to root for. Yeah, I want to know if the Jags can give the Jags fans something to root for. Oh, is there anybody in sports right now at this very moment who has more pressure from the community on them than Nick Gardner Minshew? I almost said Nick Foles. Gardner Minshew, you know, they don't – if he does good, the team does good, the community does good, we all get hope. Jacksonville doesn't have a basketball team to root for. They don't have a hockey team to root for. They need this. That's a lot of pressure, man. And we all, we're all rooting for Minshew to succeed, I think. Uh, I think a couple of us also pick him as a sleeper QB. So I just want to know, can you go out there? Can you give Can you give your people of Jacksonville, where it's overrun by plague and, oh my gosh, it's Florida, can you give them a ray of hope? Please, please do. Just play yeah. well. You don't even have to win. See, I don't, I don't think there's that much pressure on Gardner Minshew. I don't think Gardner Minshew is their quarterback next year if everything goes how the Jags want it to. I think the Jags want to bottom out and go get Trevor Lawrence. So I don't think there's that much pressure on the Jags this year. Everybody knows that it's a big reset year for them. I mean, you ditch Leonard Fournette, ditch your big free agent acquisition last year, ditch Yannick Ngakwe. I don't think there is pressure on Gardner Minshew, except for the fantasy football community all picking him as sleepers. Um, Mike, what do you think about that, the, the pressure on Minshew? Yeah, there's no pressure. There's no... I, I don't even think there's anybody behind Garrett that's going to even take the position away from him. So it's it's a one-year one year player for Minshew. They'll do whatever they do with him under center and then move on to, you know, whatever whatever they finish or, you know, if they're tanking or whatever situation they're doing. Right, I don't disagree, but I wasn't talking about professional pressure so much as this community pressure, you know? The people in Jacksonville are miserable. They need something. They need sports, and they have one. And it's a team that's totally tanking. And I'm like, oh, I feel so bad for the people of Jacksonville. I, I, I should ask my brother how he feels. He he he's a resident of Jacksonville. And yeah, please ask him and get back to us next time. Yeah, I, I can I can see what the what the real flavor is like out out there. Out there with the Jags. So, all right, let's go. We get an answer on Tuesday, like, we, like we're supposed to. Awesome. Perfect, yeah. So, next one up, NFC, or, sorry, AFC North matchup, Cleveland Browns, 6-10. and 10. The Factory of Sadness returned last season um, after brief hope that it wouldn't be there anymore. Baltimore, 14-2, and two, uh, took the league by storm. 10 a.m. start, Pacific time, 48.5 point over under. Baltimore, 7.5 point favorites. Uh, the Ravens got rid of Hayden Hurst for a draft pick. They added Devin DuVernay, who's more of a depth wide receiver, and they added J.K. Dobbins, who is probably going to be challenging Mark Ingram for a lot of touches. This year, he is a rookie running back. He was one of the best rookie running backs coming out. Those are the major changes in Baltimore on the offensive side of the ball for fantasy. For Cleveland, um, they added Austin Hooper um, to that uh, tight end room, but really the major change was going from Freddie Kitchens to Kevin Stefanski, which if you want an idea of what Kevin Stefanski likes to do, he was the uh, offensive coordinator for the Vikings last year. And um, he, uh, there's a great article on, um, oh, I'm forgetting it now, but it breaks down exactly what Kevin Stefanski's offense is. Uh, it's going to be very, very good for Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Uh, that's my guess. So I think that um, we'll start with Mike's question because that's actually a question. Evan just more made a statement. Uh, Mike uh, asks if a running back one will emerge from Baltimore, whether it be Mark Ingram, J.K. Dobbins, Justice Hill, 
Uh, is Gus Edwards still Gus on that Edwards. roster? Yeah. <laughs> Remember the Gus bus mass delusion? That was amazing. He had like yeah. six yards of carry for like eight games a couple years ago and everybody lost their mind. Oh yeah. He was like, Oh, the sleeper of the year is Gus Edwards. You really got to get him on your rosters as a great depth chart. And he's going to do so much for this team. And yeah, now it's just like, okay, whatever. Um, you know, and Edwards does serve a role. He will get, get some opportunities, but there's no way he should be on any teams unless you have to start like eight, eight running backs or something to that effect. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really, I'm really interested to see what JK Dobbins uh, is going to do with Mark Ingram and Justice Hill and Gus Edwards and all these guys have some kind of role. I don't know how many are going to even see the field, how many are going to be a healthy scratch. Justice Hill probably be the most often healthy scratch, but still it's just, I'm, I'm really interested and intrigued to see who is and what the roles are going to be. And if there is going to be an RB one to come out of this Baltimore offense. Yeah. See, I don't know if there is. I think that it's just going to, I think they're both going to get like between um, 190 and 210 carries say, and it's just going to be a lot of high volume for both of them or not carries touches. I think it's gonna be a lot of high volume for both of them and and they just go from there. So Evan, uh, you have a lot of shares of Dobbins and hunt. Would you like to see that this weekend? Let me see exactly how many shares of Dobbins and hunt I have. In my spreadsheet to keep track of all my teams. Uh, I've Dobbins in two of my five leagues. And I have Kareem Hunt in three of my five leagues. And in my big money league, he's my running back two. All right. So yeah. you need some good things. Uh, I I really liked I liked what someone said earlier. It might have been you. might have been Mike. Where you said they're just going to go Chubb, uh, and then Hunt, then Chubb, then Hunt, then Chubb, then Hunt. That's going to give me a, wide, a, running, a running back two. For sure. There you go. All right. Dobbins, I, 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 I play. And I, I, he's not one of my top three running backs on any of my teams. I just, he was a, a easy stash for the price, you know. Yeah. That's so, long term. So what we have now, we'll go ahead. We'll move on to the afternoon game. So after we've tilted our faces off at the nine, the nine morning games, we, uh, you know, this is when we start to process if we're losing or if we're winning. We start to really uh, figure out what we need to do for the rest of the week. So we have um, looks like three afternoon games, uh, Sunday night, then Monday night football games. So, all right, let's go ahead and start with uh, Chargers at Cincinnati. Chargers were 5-11 and last year, Cincinnati 2-12. and Worst team in the league, they added Joe Burrow. Uh, they extended Joe Mixon. They added T. Higgins in the draft. Um, I think that's everything for the Bengals' offensive side of the ball. Um, Chargers uh, extended Austin Eckler, let Melvin Gordon go, added Josh Kelly in the draft, and I believe that's it for them as well. Uh, oh, Philip Rivers left. Now they're going with Terod Taylor to start the year, probably going to end up with Justin Herbert at a point. Um, so uh, let's go ahead, and uh, this is 45.5 point over under, Chargers 3.5 point favorites. Um, Mike wants to know what will the workload be like for the running backs there in uh, in L.A. with Eckler, Jackson and Kelly? Yeah, I I mean, everybody is sort of like on this Eckler train and that Eckler is going to be the, the bell cow. And I mean, it's hard to say, OK, you're wrong because we really don't know that that they're wrong at this point until we see it play out. But 
my hunch, my my gut tells me that Eckler is not going to be the bell cow in, in this offense at that. It's going to revolve around all three backs. Now, Eckler is going to definitely have the majority of touches and is going to be a nice threat for fantasy football and is going to do a lot of good things. But to come out and say it's, this is Eckler's backfield, I I just don't believe it. I don't have the evidence. I don't have the proof to say it won't be because, you know, it, it hasn't played out yet and there hasn't been enough sample size to say, okay, Eckler is going to be or not going to be. This is just a gun instinct, and my gun instincts are normally correct. I like to brag a little bit. Man, my gun instinct says that this is going to be pretty much a two- to three-man backfield. Well, I... I... I'm going to be honest with you, Mike. I'm a big Austin Eckler proponent. And even I, I mean, there, there's very few bell cows. I don't see a lot of people talking about a bell cow workload for Austin Eckler. Like the thing that I'm so high on him about is because he gets high value touches like receptions and stuff like that. Not necessarily his volume. There was only like six or seven guys who got 70% of their, their running back touches last year. Who's that's, you know, kind of like what I would call a bell cow. I think it's more how efficient he is. So I don't know. I think we can both be right here. I don't think that I'm a big Austin Eckler fan. I'm a big Austin Eckler acolyte. I said that, you know, you could, if you're drafting at the turn, you could take him in the first round just to make a point. Um, but even I don't see Austin Eckler being a bell cow. And if he does turn out to be a bell cow, I am pants off. Waving them, waving them around my head excited. But I think it's just he's going to get a lot of high-value touches. And I agree with you. I think it's going to be a two- or three-man backfield. But the question is, is how many does the two and the three get? That's really and what it, it comes down to. And you throw into the fact that Phillip Rivers is such a good dump-off quarterback, uh, and he is no longer there. Uh, I don't know how good Tyra Taylor is at dumping off the quarterbacks, and I don't know how um, even when um, – the rookie comes in and he takes over how good, a, you know, Herbert's going to be with dumping off the quarterback. I don't see that happening. Um, you're, so you're, you're, you're stripping away his value here too, as well. Um, again, we'll, we'll see, but I, I, I definitely don't have, um, I, I don't see him being the man, the guy, the, you know, top 10 running back um, in PPR this season. Well, I mean, there was a year, I'm trying to find it, where I believe that Tarod Taylor's number one target was, yeah, was LaShawn McCoy um, in 2017 in Buffalo. Um, and that was almost all dump offs. Um, that was not the year where he was with Anthony Lynn. And then um, Justin Herbert threw a ton of screens in college, and that's a part of um, Eckler's game. So I think that, okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay, I can stand corrected on that. You will. You're already corrected. You're done. You're done. Done. I'm leaving. I'm packing my bags. I warned you that I was an Austin Eckler fan and I was going to karate chop all your all your objections. I guess you did. You just like knocked those way out. Big Austin Eckler fan. Watch he's going to go out, pull his hamstring in week one, and then it's all going to fall apart. Uh, Evan. I won't hold that against oh. you. If he gets injured, I won't hold it against you. Yes. Okay, good. Uh, Evan, you want to know if any given Sunday still applies to somebody with no NFL game experience, uh, no offensive line, and a Bosa coming at you. And I assume you're talking about Joe Burrow here. Yeah. You know, for, for parallel, uh, in our Discord, which has 840 people and is bumping, uh, we give a lot of advice. And to help us give advice, 
uh, we sometimes pick uh, someone who's giving really good, consistent, rational advice and turn their name purple so people know that these purple people are designated experts and helps keep keep too much of a back and forth uh, 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 arguments going. And when I turn somebody purple, I give them just one rule because these people are volunteers. I don't want to make it hard. I give them one rule. When you give advice, always give a reason. Because we can't be right 100% of the time, or if fantasy is to go like it always goes, even 60% of the time. But we can be logical 100% of the time, and people can come back to us for the logic. Always give a reason when you make a call. And I'm looking at NFL.com's uh, week one predictions, and Nate Burleson, uh, formerly of the Minnesota Vikings, says... Joe Burrow ends the streak of 12 quarterbacks selected number one overall, losing their first career start, picking up right off where he left in his college career, and leads the Cincinnati Bengals to a victory at home over the Los Angeles Chargers. And then it just ends. That part was not mine. I mean, the paragraph just ends there. And I'm sitting there going, why? How? You you can't just say that and not show me the path, because there's no path that I can see. At all, where Joe Burrow comes out and wins this football game. So, ah, that's, I'm just looking at that. I saw that this morning. It made me think of that question I put in the doc there. I don't know. What are your takes on it? Can you win? Is there a path? Is there a path to victory? Yeah. They spent, a bu- the Bengals spent a bunch of money on the defense this season. Or oh, Geno Atkins is out there. No, there's not a path to victory. There's not a path to victory for the Bengals. That's I don't right. Have- Geno Atkins is out. So, Eckler, and that's, Eckler's going to cap capitalize on that if they can call their plays right if there is one path to victory for the Bengals, it is joe burrow just having an all-time rookie debut performance which isn't outside the realm of possibility but it's not something that i'm betting on betting on happening so mike what do you think yeah the Bengals suck so All right, so the nice and succinct answer from 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 Mike. So, all right, we'll go ahead. We'll move on to the next game, NFC South matchup. Uh, Tampa Bay seven and nine, New Orleans Saints thirteen and three. Last year won the division. Um, this is a one twenty five start, forty nine and a half point over under. Saints are three point favorites. Uh, Saints added Emmanuel Sanders in the off season. They uh, have a disgruntled Alvin Kamara and a very well paid Taysom Hill. That's pretty much what they did on offense. The Buccaneers added uh, Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, LaShawn McCoy, Leonard Fournette. They cut Mike's boy, moment of silence for Dare. And um, that's pretty much all the changes they made on offense. They got a new left tackle to protect Tom Brady. Traded up for the four, with the 49ers one spot. Thanks, guys. Appreciate that extra draft pick. So, um, Mike, you want to know how Alvin Kamara will fare in this tough matchup? Yeah, the, I think – the one thing that is probably not widely known is that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense is really, really good against the run. They, mm-hmm. they are, they got two really solid defensive tackles. Uh, they, so they man that up, they fill the gaps and they squash and run, which they suck at is the passing game. So play all your wide receivers, your quarterbacks, uh, and you're, you're, you know, and you'll have fun with the Saints, with Breeze and Michael Thomas, and they all should have great games. Uh, even Emmanuel Sanders should probably have a good game. But I'm kind of concerned about how Alvin Kamara is going to do against this Tampa Bay front. Uh, I, I think he'll, he's going to catch a lot of passes. So in PPR mm-hmm. leagues, you're still going to start him. He's still, you know, your 
first pick off the draft board, fourth pick overall, or even sooner. So you can't just sit him. But overall, as far as rushing yards, don't get uh, upset if you see something like 60 yards rushing, 50 mm-hmm. yards rushing out of Alvin Kamara this week. Yeah, and um, to your point, he had 16 receptions in their two games last year for um, about 43 and a half yard, 44 and a half yards per game between them, and um, he had 62 yards rushing in the first matchup and 75 in the second. So um, that 100 yard rush game isn't really part of Alvin Kamara's game, but I do agree with you, Mike. It might be a, a tough matchup for him to start with there uh, with Tampa Bay. So um, Evan, in this game, you are checking out. You want to see if Tom Brady can still do stuff. Very specific there. Yeah, what was the reason why he left New England? Um, because Tom, or because Bill Belichick is outsmarting it. That's what I'm wondering. Yeah, that's what. Did you see how I tricked you into answering my own question? There um, you go. No, yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Tom Brady still do stuff. All right. Well, that's that's pretty. That. Self- I'm gonna sit there and watch. He can definitely still open kiss his son. So that's uh, true. He can open mouth kiss his son. He'll never be able to not do that. That's will always be a part of his skill set. Thank you, Mike. I I was, I was racking my brain (laughs) to figure out what he could still do. And that he will be able to do for all time, for all eternity, put it on his gravestone when he eats a strawberry and dies. Um, all right, next game up San Francisco, 13 and three last season, lost in the super bowl hosts, Arizona five, 10 and one, uh, 13, I'm sorry, uh, 125 start. Everything's in military time in this doc, uh, 47 point over under. When I put this doc together, San Francisco was a seven point favorite. Uh, since things have changed, they're now a six point favorite, um, is starting to creep up there. So six or seven points, depending on what, um, uh, uh, sports book you're using. Um, Arizona added, they didn't really make any changes in the off season either. They definitely didn't trade, um, for one of the best wide receivers in the game in DeAndre Hopkins, and they definitely didn't trade away the guy we talked about earlier this episode, uh, David Johnson, to do it. Um, those are pretty much their big changes on offense. Um, they they strengthened the offensive line in the draft, but that's pretty much their big changes on offense. Um, the 49ers uh, no longer have Emmanuel Sanders. They drafted Brandon Ayuk, but he's questionable to play. They have Jordan Reed for this weekend, uh, which take from that what you will. And... Why am I blanking? This is my team. That's pretty much it. They got they traded Matt Breida in the offseason. Um, those are pretty much their offensive changes um, there for San Francisco. Uh, Evan, you want to know if Garoppolo is overrated more in the skills department or the looks department? I overruled that question. So we're going to go ahead and start with Mike and say, what will the volume disperse, disbursement chart for the Cardinals look like? Dispersion? Dispersal? Disbursement? I don't know. <laughs> I don't what are those? Yeah. One of those orts. Uh, what does the volume look like? So yeah, I I, th- I think that with the with the talk and with the, how the Cliff Kingsbury offense runs, it's very much whoever is open wide receiver is going to get the ball. Uh, as you mentioned, with the new arrival of DeAndre Hopkins, are they going to sort of force feed him? Because usually with the the new toy always gets the the most play, but if they stick to their system, then that might not be the case. Uh, I'm really interested to see what, what this is going to look like. Um, is it going to be like seven receivers or is it going to be like four or five receivers getting like 10 targets? Um, it's going to be really fun to see against the 49ers, the defensive backfield that has 
I don't know how. I don't know. They're not very good, are they? The defensive back for the 49ers. What? You got you got a 90 year old Richard Sherman. All pro. Uh, 90 year old All Pro Richard Sherman. You've got PFF's number one top covered safety in um, uh, Jaquiski Tart. Um, I mean, does, you got. Does Jaquiski ever pop? Uh, yes, he, there are pop tarts on the field at times. Okay. Um, yes, the the 49ers. I'm not letting you talk about the 49ers anymore, Mike. From now on, <laughs> you're banned from talking about the 49ers. Evan, you want to know if Jimmy Garoppolo is more underrated in the skills department or the looks department, right? Underrated. That's what you meant to write here. Underwritten. Underwritten. Because insurance. Somehow, I thought I'd come up with a punchline by the time I finished saying that, but nope. I did not. You Nailed did it. not. So, um. No, I just want to see uh, Arizona's new look. What's the new look going to look like? I, I might kind of touch on a lot of what I'm looking for with that. You know, you've got what is probably a top five, maybe top two offense right now on paper. Let's see you, let's see you take it out against the toughest defense in the league. This is going to be a fun one. All right, yeah, they're they're gonna their new look is going to get a big big test right off the bat. No matter what Mike wants to tell you, pop tart. Pop-Tart. All right. Sunday night football. Uh, the Cowboys travel to Los Angeles uh, where the Rams will kick off uh, SoFi Stadium to nobody. <laughs> to zeros of screaming fans. Dallas was 8-8 eight and eight last year. The Rams were 9-7. and seven. Both teams were disappointed. Dallas went out and kicked Jason Witten to the curb. Um, they went out and got C.D. Lamb. That's all they changed in their offense. The Rams got rid of Todd Gurley. The Rams got rid of Brandon Cooks. They added Van Jefferson and Cam Akers, both in the second round. Um, those were their major changes on offense. Um, this one, like I said, Sunday night football, 51 and a half point over under. Dallas are two and a half point road favorites. And Mike, you want to see if this mess of the Rams offense, Woods, Cup, Higby, Akers, who emerges from this? Daryl Henderson, Malcolm Brown, uh, Van Jefferson. There's a lot of mouths to feed there, and we'll see which ones start to emerge in week one. Gerald Everett. Gerald Everett might actually surprise the whole thing and throw a wrench into everything and just disrupt the whole process. Uh, Van Jefferson might do that as well. Uh, you know, it, it's interesting because you have all these players for the Rams, and then you have Jared Goff, who probably is very much like uh, Kirk Cousins, where can he carry more than one wide receiver? I mean, it's so... As we've seen, even last year, you had the first eight weeks was all Cooper Cup. The last eight weeks of the season was all Robert Woods. It's yeah, I, I don't know if Jared Goff can can do this. I it's gonna I probably look very dispersal. Hopefully, since he's in my home league, Robert Woods is the main guy in all this. But outside of that, I can see these guys just mixing and matching, and whoever's open is gonna get the get the pass and get get the targets while everybody else gets you know two or three catches the rest of the game okay um so all right so let's go ahead and move on to evan's question is this will this be another year of mediocre nfc east night games and evan i'm gonna go ahead answer that question for you yes but, but maybe maybe covid staying in will skew the numbers we're now the exciting nfc west probably the most exciting division of football this year is getting massive numbers more than the AFC, the NFC East, and now they're. Uh, I'm just. I had a flicker of hope. Yeah, they, they can't. Flicker. They can't. They can't. 
they can't flex the games till like week 13 anyway. So you're stuck with these matchups no matter what happens. Giants have a weird offense and a garbage tier secondary on defense. Washington has nothing. Philadelphia has zero wide receivers, last I checked. They're like my big money league team, fantasy team. Dallas, I guess, is good, but they're also choke city. Man, we have to watch these guys every week, aren't we? All right. It's still football. It's still good. Yeah, it's still football in the end. It is still football. Um, So, all right, we'll go ahead. We'll move on to the Monday Night Football early game. And that is going to be Pittsburgh at the Giants. Uh, 4-10 start Pacific this one. 47.5 point over under. Pittsburgh 4.5 point favorites. Uh, they went out and added Chase Claypool, uh, Anthony McFarland in the draft, added Eric Ebron to this offense. Now it's super crowded. They didn't get rid of anybody. Uh, the Giants didn't do anything to their offensive weaponry that I can think of. Danny Dimes, the wide receivers, Evan Ingram, Saquon Barkley. It's all the same there. Um, so... Uh, Evan, you <laughs> said the answer to the previous question lies in this one, so you don't get to talk this time. Mike, is okay. Ben Roethlisberger done. done as a quarterback? It, uh, you know, the the, la- the first two games of 2019 and the fact that uh, he's, he's, what is he, like 38, 39 years old? And, he's getting up there, yeah. And the fact that they want to move to a 12 personnel kind of, uh, you know, offensive system. I'm I'm very much leaning towards the fact that Ben Roethlisberger is is toast. Uh, we definitely will find out, but I'm not I don't have a lot of high hopes for for Ben Roethlisberger, and that is going to affect you know Juju Smith Schuster, Deontay Johnson, and all the other remaining receivers. Uh, might be, it might be good news for someone like Eric Ebron, um, but for the most part, yeah, I I'm not like Roethlisberger at all. Okay. No, I mean, that's fair enough. He is 38. I looked it up. So um, this could be it. This could be big, big Ben's last season. And luckily the future is bright there. They got Mason Rudolph. They got Duck Hodges. You know, everything will be fine there in in, uh, uh, Pittsburgh. So, all right, let's move on to the last game of the the week. I almost said of the season. Season's already over, guys. Uh, It's 10 at Den. It's Tennessee at Denver. Nine and seven. Tennessee was last year. Denver, seven and nine. This is a 7:20 Monday night football game, 42 point over under Denver one and a half point favorites. And I forgot to mention, cause he's not a fantasy guy. Von Miller's probably out for the year with an Achilles injury. Um, he might come back. I remember Terrell Suggs hurt his Achilles a few years ago in the preseason and was able to come back. So he might come back at the end of the year, but he's definitely not playing in this one. Um, the, Broncos went out and overhauled their offense. Uh, we already talked about, they added Jerry Judy. They also added Melvin Gordon. They added, uh, um, Albert Okwabunum. Ogu- Easy for you to say. Um, and they are, are giving Drew Locke... Oh, KJ Hamler. They get, they're giving Drew Locke all the weapons that he needs to succeed. Um, as for Tennessee, they're pretty much running it back from what they had last year. They kept everything in place. They added Darrington Evans to replace Deion Lewis, which I think is an upgrade. Um, and they're pretty much running it back. Uh, Delaney Walker's gone, but he played like 200 snaps last year. But everything's coming back the way it was in Tennessee last year. So, uh, Evan, you want to know if Denver has a QB or... This, this is yet another time when I have to watch someone cry. Yeah, man. I mean, it's I'm not breaking any news right here. They're, uh, Brock Osweiler, Paxton Lynch, Trevor Simeon. They're not – Case they're Keenum. Women. Case Keenum. Brandon Allen. I have the wiki open in case you're wondering how I have these names so quickly at hand. It's been Peyton Manning. It's been John Elway. And other than that, they've 
always, always had garbage at quarterback. And Peyton Manning seems to be doing a bad job. And not only that, but like Peyton Manning or John Elway's doing a bad job. Wait, sorry, Peyton Manning. <laughs> Those commercials need to step up their game. Yeah, um, come on. Uh, I mean, Paxton Lynch cried. That was hard to see, man. That dude. Bad. Like, I don't want to see that again. I don't mind people crying. I just feel for them, you know? <sighs> so I'm hoping the Drew Lock comes and brings it. All right, fair enough. So you just want to see the Drew Lock thing. Mike, your question is very similar. Is Drew Lock or Ryan Tannehill, either quarterback in this game, a top uh, 12 quarterback this year? Yeah, uh, it's more for this year. I, You know, I'm, I'm going to really be interested in see how this all plays out. I think Ryan Tannehill last year was definitely a top 12 quarterback. But how much was that really re- residing on Derrick Henry? And can Derrick Henry continue to be, I mean, what he was last year? I, I definitely think he's going to break down some point in the season. And how will that affect Ryan Tannehill's game? And Drew Locke is still an unknown. He has a lot of weapons there. So he could finish as a top 12 back if he if he can utilize it and become uh, a good second-year uh, quarterback. Or is he just one of those guys that, you know, is average and will, will you know, always be average? I think we'll see. So I, th- I think both of them have really good stories. Both can finish in the top 12. Both of them could finish basically out of, out of you know, 24 could finish 30. So I, I think up and down, we'll, we'll see what happens. But it looks like they can either finish one way or the other. Okay. All right. So that does it for the weekly uh, predictions or questions of what we think that um, you are going to be looking for this weekend. Uh, hopefully that gives everybody something to chew on. And before we go, um, why don't we go ahead? We'll do our FanDuel competition. Um, what we do, we do this every year. We are sponsored by FanDuel. Um, FanDuel.com slash football absurdity gets you a uh, 20% match up to $500. And uh, we talk about, we have a weekly competition. So um, I'll go last since I'm going to win. Uh, Mike, you won last year, right? So you, you get the, the ability to go first. Okay. Since I'm going first uh, at quarterback at 7,900, Josh Allen. Okay. My two running backs are going to be Christian McCaffrey. I think he's just going off. Some, I, I don't even know why. It's just a steal. I mean, he should be in every lineup, uh, every single lineup for, for you guys at 10, 10 grand. Christian McCaffrey and David Montgomery, um, even though I say he's definitely a bust, he's still really cheap at 5,900. Wide receivers, Devontae Adam, eight grand. Allen Robinson, 72. And DK Metcalf at 64. I think it's a very cheap price for DK Metcalf at 6,400. Mm-hmm. Tight ends, um, Hunter Hurst, who is now the Atlanta tight end, and you know he's going to be utilized. He's probably going to be targeted uh, pretty much uh, as as Austin Hooper was uh, in the red zone. So I like him uh, at 5,200. And then Flux, I'm going to go with the Colts. Jonathan Taylor at 54 in defense, a very cheap, cheap defense against a Jacksonville offense that doesn't have much of anything going for it at 3,700. I'm going with the Colts defense. Okay. All right. Sounds good. So that's Josh Allen, CMC, DeMont, Devontae, A-Rob, DK Metcalf, Hayden Hurst, Jonathan Taylor. Mike, you and I have a lot in common in our lineups. So um, Evan, why don't we go to you? Great. Is this PPR? I seem to remember it's it being PPR. Half. Half. Half PPR. Okay, cool, cool. The the one true 
God, God's, God's points there. Yeah. <laughs> Weird. So at quarterback, I want to put my money where my mouth is. Josh Allen. Oh, boy. Face okay. The Jets. I don't care. He's got a great receiver. Hoping for big things there. For running backs, I went with Josh Jacobs. He's playing Carolina, who had the worst, literally the worst run defense last year. Uh, and Austin Eckler. Like I said, Cincinnati's D is not looking like it can handle specifically that. It's built to win, but it's missing a key piece this week. For wide receivers, uh, Chris Godwin, because Mike Evans is is, is doubtful, mm-hmm. and they're going against New Orleans, and that usually is a, it sets the field ablaze. Uh, Allen Robinson, Detroit's one weakness is their secondary, which is garbage. It poops too much. And uh, I thought I had to double down on the Buffalo. Why not? If I believe in Josh Allen, I might as well grab Stephon Diggs. So we got Stephon Diggs for 6600 there. And then I went with Dallas Goddard because I needed a, a reach for tight end. I was running kind of low on money for 5200 And because mm-hmm. of all the injuries, I felt that James White for 5300 was a, a sneaky little play there. Someone's got to get the ball, and it's going to be Damian Harris and him. And then I was surprised to see the Los Angeles Chargers for 4200 I think they're going to tear up that rookie quarterback and get a lot of sacks this week. So from the top, Josh Allen, Josh Jacobs, Austin Eckler, Chris Godwin, Allen Robinson, Stephon Diggs, Dallas Goddard, James White, and the Los Angeles Chargers defense. All right. So this one, my lineup completely revolves around Jimmy Garoppolo throwing a touchdown to Jordan Reed. The Cardinals allowed the most fantasy points to quarterbacks last year. They allowed the most fantasy points to tight ends. They only added one guy to address that problem. That was Isaiah Simmons. So I think that Jordan Reed will smash. So I have Jimmy Garoppolo, Jordan Reed stack and quarterback and tight end. Then my running backs, my starting running backs are Mike. We got an overlap here. Jonathan Taylor. Then, much like Evan, I am putting money, my money where my mouth is, and I am starting Zach Moss. Uh, boys, A-Rob is going to cancel out for all of us, because we all have A-Rob in this. I also have Devontae Adams, um, and I have the Colts DST. And what I was able to do with this lineup is I was I have two spots left that I haven't told you guys about. What I was able to do with Jimmy Garoppolo, Jonathan Taylor, Zach Moss, Devontae Adams, Allen Robinson, Jordan Reed, and the Indianapolis Colts, I was able to put... Michael Thomas in my wide receiver slot and Christian McCaffrey in my flex. Nice. So I was able to fit the two most expensive players, three of the, the three most expensive players with Devonte Adams in there. So I got Jimmy G, Jonathan Taylor, Zach Moss, Devonte Adams, Allen Robinson, Michael Thomas, Jordan Reed, Christian McCaffrey, and the Colts defense. So Mike and I have a couple overlaps. Evan and I only have the one overlap with a Rob and um, I think that that's the only overlap that Evan has with Mike as well. So oh, you... that's bad. I'm oh, and Josh bad. Allen and Josh Allen. I'm bad. Yeah. So I was all good. Right. I'm bad. <laughs> so all right. So that'll do it for this week's episode of the Football Absurdity Podcast. If you like what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe on your podcast app of choice. If you don't like what you heard, please just subscribe. If you want to hear the second half of this episode that's coming out on Tuesday, where we answer all these questions. Please subscribe to our Patreon. It's $3 a month at patreon.com slash footballabsurdity. The RSS feed will be in there. If you want to join the discussion, please join our Discord at tiny.cc slash fbabsurdity. That had to change because our permanent link was not so permanent. So next time we talk, boys, we'll have a whole mess of information to go over for the people. So I'm excited about this weekend. I assume you two are as well, correct? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 
So for Mike, for Evan, this is Jeff. Thanks for listening, and you have a good one. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.